1: So we have an amazing show for you. Four brilliant contestants are here to play our nerdy games. They're backstage asking Alexa what she would like to listen to for a change. (laughs) And then they'll be up here playing our nerdy games, and one of them will become our big winner. And we have two amazing guests from RuPaul's Drag Race, Bob the Drag Queen and Monet (laughs) Exchange. Uh, So exciting! You have to. So we can all agree that uh, drag has never been more popular, uh, and maybe we're running out of drag names because there's so many people doing drag now. I mean, in the way back in the '90s, they were all punny, right? It was like Anita Cocktail, Head of Lettuce. You know, you've reached peak drag queen when you have the name Bob the Drag Queen. Like we're getting close. We're getting close. Like, what's the next step? just the name, like, oh, I can't wait to see our next act. Please welcome Mark Epstein. Yeah. That's just what it is. And following her we'll have man in dress (laughs) who are really getting meta about this. Uh, I find that the fast, dirty way to formulate your own drag name is simply just to take whatever was last written on your Starbucks cup. That would make me, by the way, Oprah Room for Milk, which not bad. Not bad. What would yours be, Jonathan?
0: Uh, probably John Small Soy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> John, Small John Small Soy. soy. Oh.
0: <laughs> what are you, you going to do? The shoe fits.
1: <laughs> uh, I, I think we all do drag to a certain extent. If you don't believe me, here's what I pose to you. Do you wear the same thing to a job interview as you do when you're in bed with a box of wine watching the Great (laughs) British Bake Off? No. Why would you be wearing my prom dress to your job interview? Uh, I have to say, tonight's games are going to be pretty hard. We have a game based on the idea that the book is always better than the movie. Yeah, it's brought to you from that guy who's like, oh, really? You don't know that band? Oh, yeah, they've been around for a while. (laughs) So glad I'm not dating in Brooklyn anymore. The Super Bowl is this weekend. (laughs) Yeah, or as most NPR listeners call it, an even quieter day at the library. (laughs) All right. We hope that this is going to be a lot of sparking joy, and we thank you for your service for being here, everybody, and the words of Marie Kondo. Let's start the show. Our first two contestants will play a game where people complain about books that were made into movies, like when your favorite character looks different in the film than it did in your head. That was my problem with Garfield the movie.
0: <laughs> he looked really creepy. That, that was your only problem with Garfield. Oh, I know,
1: everything else amazing. <laughs> First up, Mariah Black, you're working on a competition for high school musicals. I am. And uh, of the high school musicals that are being staged right now, what's the most popular?
2: Oh my God, so many high schools are doing Mamma Mia this year. Really? (laughs) Yeah. Uh,
1: That must be like some sort of rights thing.
0: Yeah, the rights just became available. (laughs) That's it.
1: (laughs) Mariah, when you ring in, we'll hear this. Your opponent is Katie Brigham. As a child, you were a Fisher Price model. Baby model. Baby model. Okay, so what toys did you model for? I was on a house that had like a slide that came down the side. Um, I was on a baby monitor. I still have the box for that. You were the baby on the baby monitor? I was the happy baby, not the crying baby or the sleeping (laughs) baby. Good for you. Good for you. Did you get extra toys when you were a kid?
3: We got toys and we got compensated, which they don't
1: do now. Okay. And so I'm sure amongst your your friends when you were a kid, you had some cool toys. Well, you age out at like three or four and they kick you to the curb. So it was a very limited time frame. (laughs) Too old for the industry. Yeah, at three, right? (laughs) Not happy enough, baby. (laughs) I understand. Katie, when you ring in, we'll hear this. Mariah and Katie, whoever has more points after two games will go to our final round. This trivia game is called The Book Was Better. Jonathan and I will read you real online complaints about movies based on books. You just ring in and identify the film. Here we go. The room that Danny is warned about, room 217 in the book, is changed to 237 in the movie. Why? Mariah. The Shining? That's right, The Shining. This movie
0: absolutely was not faithful to the graphic novel. It was instead a parody of the graphic novel and a prime example of why Alan Moore said it should never be made. I don't miss the squid, though. If there was one thing Zack Snyder changed for the better, it was the squidless ending. Mariah. The Watchmen? That's right.
1: In the book, Oprah's character doesn't materialize for a long time. The classic bald pegasus is not present, replaced by a brightly colored leaf kite dragon. Mariah? A Wrinkle in Time? That is correct, yeah. We all know, by the way, that Oprah materializes whenever she wants.
0: (laughs) Read the book. I wish the people who wrote the screenplay would have... Lois Lowry understands that a creepy authoritarian state is more effective the more insidious it is. The movie, however, is blunt and ham fisted. Mariah. The Giver? Yeah, that's right.
1: The movie so freely adapts the book that really all that remains of the book's plot is a ghost of a germ, of an idea about a Puritan woman who gets pregnant by someone who is not her husband. And that's about where the similarity ends. Katie. The Bible?
0: (laughs) (laughs) There is a woman who gets pregnant
1: in that book. That's true. (laughs) That is incorrect, but should get style points. (laughs) Mariah, can you steal? Easy A. Ooh, good guess. We were looking for the scarlet letter.
0: Every detail from Capote's brilliant and delicately balanced novella was butchered. Almost every detail altered, key characters, settings, and scenes completely omitted, and even the period 1943 changed to 1961 with all its nauseating chic fashions. Mariah.
1: Breakfast at Tiffany's. You got it. They might have followed the three laws of robotics and used plot elements from Asimov's book, but they threw the basic laws of physics out the window. Mariah. iRobot. Yeah, you got it. That is correct.
0: This is your last clue. It was the weirdest things that they would change, like Bella's prom outfit in the end where she wears Converse, (laughs) where in the book they describe in detail what she is wearing down to the one stiletto on her undamaged foot. (laughs) Katie. Twilight. Yeah, that's right.
1: I'm just saying I would put the stiletto on my damaged foot.
2: I just think that's practical.
1: Yeah, you would use your undamaged foot to (laughs) hobble. To walk around. (laughs) (laughs) All right, great game. Mariah is in the lead. (laughs) Our next game is about trademarked sounds, like my signature sound. (sighs) (laughs) Okay, 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 all right. (laughs) Let's go to your next game. Mariah, what to you is the sound of happiness? Um, a puppy drinking water. It's <laughs> pretty good. Pretty happy. I know, because a puppy and drinking water, so you know is healthy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Katie, what to you is the sound of happiness? My friends laughing not at me. <laughs> <laughs> Very good answers, both of you. This audio quiz is called Sounds Like Intellectual Property. These questions are about well-known trademarked sound effects. And the points are doubled. Mariah, stay in the lead, and you're off to the final round. Katie, you need to get more points, or your signature sound effect will be this. One of my favorites. (laughs) Here we go. Lionsgate Entertainment owns this tune described as quote a human whistling a G4 eighth note followed by a B flat 4 eighth note followed by an A4 eighth note followed by a D4 half note in the key of G minor What film series is it featured in Mariah The Hunger Games Yeah that's right that's the mockingjay whistle Also, how I was called to dinner as a child. (laughs) It's normal, right? CBS received their trademark approval for this sound in 2013, 45 years after the corresponding show first aired. Name the program Mariah. 60 Minutes. Yeah, that's right. amazing that they I mean it took them 45 years but that they were able to do that at all (laughs) this sequence of two tones of increasing pitch followed by a sequence of two tones of decreasing pitch is associated with what early DVR technology (laughs) Mariah TiVo yeah that's right This is your last clue. This character first appeared in 1965, but the trademark for his quote childlike human giggle wasn't awarded until
0: 2009.
1: <laughs> Katie, the Pillsbury Doughboy. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> childlike human giggle is one of the creepier things that I've ever read <laughs> <laughs> <all> out loud. <laughs> All right, great game. And after two games, Mariah is going to our final round. Coming up, we'll find out who will face off against Mariah in our final round. And we're going to spill tea with Bob the Drag Queen and Monet Exchange. And I don't mean chamomile, I mean truth. I'm Ophira Eisenberg, and this is Ask Me Another from NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor Berkshire Hathaway Home Services. With a franchise network of highly trained agents and advanced marketing tools, Berkshire Hathaway Home Services network members aim to provide something more than just real estate. They think beyond the next transaction and build relationships based on your long-term goals to ensure you'll get all the value that a home brings, year after year, home after home. All that more they do? That's home services. Start your home search at BerkshireHathawayHS.com. Support for NPR and the following message comes from Rothy's. Rothy's are the everyday flats for life on the go. Stylish, versatile, fully machine washable, and they go with everything, from yoga pants to dresses and skirts. Best of all, there's zero break in period, thanks to their woven design, seamlessly crafted from recycled water bottles. Plus, Rothy's always come with free shipping and free returns and exchanges. Find out why Buzzfeed called them their forever shoes at rothys.com another. summer movie season is here and pop culture happy hour has you covered for a guide through the blockbusters you know about and the surprise bright spots you might not we'll tell you what we are looking forward to what we're secretly dreading and what might sneak up on us listen now and subscribe
0: This is Ask Me Another, NPR's Hour of Puzzles, Word Games, and Trivia. I'm Jonathan Colton. Now, here's your host, Ophira Eisenberg.
1: Thank you, Jonathan. It's time to welcome our special guests. You know them from RuPaul's Drag Race, and they co host the podcast Sibling Rivalry. Please welcome Bob the Drag Queen and Monet Exchange.
4: I agree. I agree.
1: <laughs> thank you so much for joining me. This is so exciting. <laughs> oh, thank now, you. right off the bat, for those of you who don't know, how did you both come to your drag names? Monet, let's start with you.
5: Okay, mine is really simple. So I am a born and raised New Yorker. Anyone else in New York? <laughs> yeah. And um, I was sitting at Dallas BBQ on.
3: <laughs> nice. <laughs>
5: The one on 42nd Street because I'm a classy lady and I'm (laughs) looking across. I was like, I want a really cute like punny drag name. So I looked at all these things. There was like a a Ripley's, believe it or not. I'm like, that's not cute. And then I was like, "Um, oh, money exchange. I was a currency exchange and I just put an accent and a T. Then I was
4: Monet exchange. Mm. Didn't you didn't you say that your name was almost Carencia Exchange? Yeah, I was going to
5: do Carrencia Exchange,
4: but I'm like, something about that smells like cultural
5: appropriations. And I was like, let's not do it.
4: My name is uh, Bob the Drag Queen, and um, I agree. Um, <laughs> my original drag name, for like three years, I actually used to uh, perform under the name Kitten with a Whip, mm-hmm. which is from an old um, Anne margaret film. But no one ever got it, and then people call me Kitty or Katie. Um, she always has a carrier that was her stick. she a carried a whip, whip everywhere she went a nine foot bull whip literally everywhere I went and I was like why is everyone scared of me <laughs> um, and then one day I was like doing karaoke and this guy like forgot my name he goes give it up for your host uh, Kate and I was like oh yeah cause Kate's a drag name hey guys I'm Kate Kate the drag queen and then next time I was like thank you give it up for me Kim Kim the drag queen <laughs> And at the end of the night, I was like, and one more time for me, your host, Bob the Drag Queen. And I was like, that sounds really funny. And my friends were like, that name is terrible. Do not do that.
1: (laughs) And you were like... And that I was is like, exactly why. <laughs> that is exactly why I'm going to do it. Now, both of you started drag at different points in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, Monet, were you not born in St. Lucia? Well,
5: I, I was born in Brooklyn, but okay. I, I, when I was six months old, I moved to St. Lucia with my family. Okay, you moved yeah. to St. Lucia
1: and your family. And what was your exposure to any drag in St. Lucia? Well, that's
5: the thing, girl. Little to none. You know, you yeah. know. <laughs> just just me being even a little bit feminine was like a red flag for everyone on the Caribbean island. You know <laughs> And <laughs> no, like, that's the one we see up. <laughs> So, um, you know, so, like, I had none of that in my life, and it wasn't until I had moved back to Brooklyn when I was uh, 10 years old, I started taking the bus and the train to school from from, uh, fifth grade. Anyone else in New York was that kind of kid? Yeah. So I would see all these things on the bus, and I would see all these things on the one train, and I remember going to high school and seeing drag queens getting off the train as I was getting on the train to go to school. I was like, these men are very weird and scary, and I will never have that as a profession, and here we are. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) So that was my first exposure to kind of what drag was and what drag could be and what drag still is in some places.
1: Yeah, and you were a classically trained singer. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, And some opera training.
5: Yeah, I'm a basso profundo. I went to school for opera performance and music education, and I actually taught on gender music K-5 through for a year and a half, and I was like, waking up at 5 a.m. to teach New York City kids? Absolutely not. Right. And then I was like...
1: Is there anything about uh, being a classically trained opera singer that has translated oh, over to drag performance? Oh, for sure.
5: Opera and drag is the same thing. It's just that opera singers wear bigger lashes. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's like, they're pretty much the same thing. And like going to school, I had to do classes like the singing actor and I had to do all those things. A lot of, a lot of things that, that really translate to drag and how to be a very present drag performer and mm-hmm. lip syncing and looking people in the eye while you are taking their money. You know what I mean? That's like <laughs> a skill I learned as an opera singer too. <laughs> So, yeah, lots of, lots of parallels
4: between opera and direction.
1: Bob, you came to New York 22 years old to do stand-up.
4: Yeah, I moved here to be an actor and to do stand-up and to be a Broadway actor, but no one told me that if you can't sing, you probably won't be on Broadway. <laughs> <laughs> no one told me that. Uh, I also grew up with a mom who told me I could do anything, so I was like, y'all don't even know how amazing I am. My mom was always one of the moms who was like, you are just so handsome. Why aren't you modeling? And I was like, Mom, I, I am handsome, but
1: model. Let's not get crazy. You're talking down your yeah. mom from your possible accomplishments. And your mother owned uh, a bar growing up?
4: Yeah, she owned a drag bar in Columbus, Georgia. Yeah. And I was, uh, I actually illegally would work at the club. My mom like, couldn't get a babysitter, so she would put me in the booth.
1: <laughs> okay, this amazing mother just sort of changed.
2: <laughs> All right.
4: <laughs> would put me in the booth to take the money, but I was like, I had big Some hands. Days. I was like a big kid. So I had a girl. I, look I, I used to have big hands, but now I'm so dainty. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so she would like put me in the booth, to take the money, but turn the lights off. So this like black hairy hand would come out. <laughs> I was probably maybe like nine, <laughs> maybe ten.
1: I don't know. <laughs> okay, so now let's talk about RuPaul's Drag Race. Oh,
5: this is—I was on Hoarder, is not RuPaul's Drag Race.
1: <laughs> Mona, your first runway challenge.
5: The infamous.
1: <laughs> the infamous. You made a dress out of yellow and green sponges. <laughs> Which has become a thing.
5: <laughs>
1: have you been approached by any sponge companies for endorsements? You
5: know, I have emailed Brillo every day this week, okay? <laughs> <Scotch> <laughs> Bright has stopped answering my DMs. <laughs> I'm like, I don't understand why I have not. I'm like, girl, I could be, we could be making money together, girl. Okay. I'm like, get it together. But they have not approached me yet.
1: And Bob, your catchphrase is purse first. Purse first, yes. Uh, which is something that was inspired by uh, you working, like putting a purse together on the show.
4: Yeah, I like would make these patterns for sewing. And Monet could tell you back before a drag race, I would like, sew, I would sew literally every single day. I was never an amazing sewer, but I could sew really fast. And the things that Wait, I wait looked, can you say that again? You were never what? An amazing sewer. <laughs> uh-huh. But I was really good at winning drag race the first time. Um, So I sewed my dress really, really, really fast. And then I was like, now I'm, So I sat around, then I was like, let me make a headband. Then I was like, let me make an apron. And then I was like, I'm going to make a purse. So I made this purse, and everyone kept being like, that purse is gross. I was like, I know, but I really love this purse. And it's like... Um, so I would I would just carry the purse every day. I put all my stuff in it. I also like people have been uh, recently like, like blaming me for the idea of branding queens. People are like, if Bob the drag queen never did a purse, we wouldn't have to hear
1: Brown Cow stunning every
2: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: episode. <laughs> now you both have a lot of projects going on individually, uh, but you also do a podcast together called Sibling Rivalry. Yeah. How how did this start, Bob? I was
4: uh, doing a show at the Berkeley Repertory Theater Mm -hmm. in Berkeley, California, but I could never see Monet um, at all, like even less than normal because we were traveling. But now I was like over, you know, on the other side of the country. And we
5: talk every day.
4: Yeah, and we and we always argue and like goof off. And I said, well, Monet, let's just do a podcast as a way to like keep in contact and like hang out and then like have a thing together. If anyone doesn't listen, I'm normally right, but I think
5: what makes me right. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> is the fact that I'm a more informed human being.
0: That's fantastic. So, um, yeah, it's just
5: honest conversation and conversation we have all the time. And it, 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 it's just us arguing for, the, for, for what, good or for, or for bad. For both
1: of you, the, you know, the drag community is uh, evolving very quickly right now. And obviously, thanks to RuPaul's Drag Race, it's never more popular and mainstream. What kind of mark do you hope to leave on the community, Monet?
5: I think that what we are trying to do is just be authentically ourselves. So um, for future generations of drag, I think what is going to be staying power is being the most authentic version of yourself as possible. And also something that New York City is very signature for is queens being able to stand on a stage by themselves for an hour, two hours, and just delivering the best of them and you guys sitting there and and being entertained. (laughs) You know what I mean?
1: All right. Are you guys ready for an Ask Me Another Challenge? Ooh.
4: <laughs> I know. I was say, we, we watched it in 10. Monet does not do well at challenges, girl. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, first of all, Monet. <laughs> Monet's been called everything except the winner of this week's challenge.
1: <laughs> all right. Monet, you studied opera. Bob, I did. you're a theater kid. So you are going to play a special edition of our favorite game, This, That, or The Other. Mm. We're going to read you a lyric. You ring in and tell us if it's from an opera, a musical, or a drag queen's original single, now available on iTunes.
2: Work.
1: Work. <laughs> Here we go. Here's your first lyric. Everybody loves a winner, so nobody loves me. Monet.
4: Um, drag queen single. (laughs) Girl, that uh, is is Eliza Minnelli (laughs) in uh, Cabaret.
1: Oh, yes! Let's throw to the clip. I was like, yes, Trixie Mattel.
0: loves
1: a winner, so nobody loved me.
0: Put on the costume and the face in white powder. Bob. Uh, that is um, from an opera. It was. It was Pagliacci. Let's listen.
5: <laughs>
1: Some excellent lip syncing happening right now.
4: Also, to, to the people listening at home, I just want to describe that right now I'm wearing a full-length Bob Mackey gown. <laughs> My hair is up in an elegant bun. (laughs) And uh, Monet's wearing the sponge dress.
5: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh, no! you would be so lucky, okay? (laughs) Here's
1: your next one. My name is Roxy Andros, and I'm here to make it clear. I know you love me, baby. That's why you brought me here. Monet. Oh,
5: that is uh, from the Opera, the, um, the Magic Flute. No, I'm kidding. It's Roxy <laughs> Andrews. Let's that's Roxy Andrews, Roxy Andrews. Andrews, and I'm here to make it clear. I know you love me,
3: baby. That's why you brought me here.
4: <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the aria from the uh, opera.
0: <laughs> they call me Mimi. I do not know why. Oh, Monet. Oh, La Boheme. Hello. <laughs> Let's go to the clip. Now we're tied.
4: <laughs> money get off my gown I
1: like that (laughs) 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 they'll believe anything
5: (laughs) you are ridiculous I can't
1: here's your next one I'm an ordinary woman with feelings I'd like a man to nibble on my ear I'm an ordinary
4: woman. It's musical theater. I like a man to nibble on my ear. That's
2: right. You sing it perfectly, Bob. I'm an ordinary woman (laughs) with feelings. I'd like a man to
1: nibble on my ear. Little Girls from Annie. That's right.
0: This is your last clue. Oh. (laughs) let's Make it count. (laughs) What a novel way to be forgotten. Who could know that Limbo felt like this, Bob? That is from an opera. Let's go to the clip and see if you're right. What a
3: novel mm. way! You're wrong. <laughs> you,
2: you didn't win. Is dancing
1: around the stage, Come so happy like that Bob this. got something wrong. <laughs> uh. It's so right. Ra-
4: you also didn't
0: win, Monet. <laughs> but something better happened. You were wrong. That was Hold On by Jinx Monsoon.
1: Alright, that's the game. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations, Bob. You want an Aspen of the Ruby's Cube? Woo! I know. Bob the Drag Queen is currently on tour. Monet Exchange is on RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars season four on VH1. And they will be back for another game later in the show. Bob and Monet, everybody! Our next game is about royal or honorary titles in the UK, such as Knight, Duke, Star Baker, Time Lord. <laughs> First up, Darren Biggert. You're the creative director of a nonprofit and you're in a podcast club. I am, and t- I have two members here tonight. Nice. Of our podcast club. Uh, what are the rules of podcast clubs? Never talk about podcast clubs. <laughs> okay. Club. Uh, And what is a podcast? What is a podcast? (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs)
3: So esoteric.
1: How many people are in the podcast club? It's a small but mighty crew. There are like six
3: of us. We're all in Astoria, Queens. Yeah. And uh, (gasps) yes. And um, it's like book club. You know, we choose some episodes of a podcast, listen to it, talk about it.
1: Oh, fantastic! Very cool. Darren, when you ring in, we'll hear this. Your opponent is Sam Russell. You're visiting here from Washington State, where you're an environmental health specialist focused on on-site septic systems and solid and hazardous waste. <laughs> you say that most people uh, are really surprised to find out how their waste is handled. Yes, that's true. Okay, surprise me. Yeah.
4: <laughs> I don't know if that's quite kosher for public radio. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Um, basically lots of different techniques to handle anything that comes in and out of your home or your body. So if it comes out of your body or your house, I'm handling it in some capacity. (laughs) So it is
1: a very glamorous as you might imagine. (laughs) All right, Sam, when you ring in, we'll hear this. Remember, Darren and Sam, whoever has more points after two games will go to our final round. Let's go to your first game. Some famous Americans hold royal or honorific titles in the UK. Jonathan and I will ask you about these people in a trivia game called A Knight to Remember. Just identify who we are talking about. Here's your first one. This computer pioneer was knighted in the years between the release of XP and Vista. Now he can add KBE to his name. Darren, let's go Bill Gates? Let's go yes. Oh, great. Go. That's right. Only British citizens can use sir, so he gets knight commander. Oh, yeah. Not too shabby. <laughs> Not too bad. Knight, knight, knight commander. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Is that what
1: Melinda says?
0: <laughs> Across the pond, she's Lady Hayden Guest. She's a regular in the Halloween movies, and she'll keep you regular with Activia yogurt. <laughs> Darren. Jamie Lee Curtis.
3: Yeah,
1: that's right. The moment she said, I do, this California native became Her Royal Highness, the Duchess of Sussex, Countess of Dumberton, and Baroness Kilkeel. That title really suits her. <laughs> Sam. Meghan Markle. Yeah, that's right. Two people laughed at that title, really, USA suits her.
0: (laughs) He grew up in the Bronx and became America's first black secretary of state. Now he's a member of the Order of Bath. Darren. Colin Powell? You got it, that's right.
1: This actor's happy day may have been when he became an honorary officer of the Order of the British Empire. Unfortunately, when he received the honor, he did not put his thumbs up and go, Hey! Darren, you're so excited right I now am. about this. It's Henry Winkler. It is Henry ah. Le Winkler, that's right. <laughs> yeah. This is your last clue. She won an Academy Award for Girl Interrupted. Then her marriage was interrupted. But now she's an honorary dame commander. Darren. Angelina Jolie. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> She was honored by Queen Elizabeth for her work against sexual violence. Well done, both of you. Great game. Darren is in the lead. If your honorary title in grade school was Sir Dorkface, you have the kind of childhood that would make you a perfect contestant for our show. Just go to amatickets.org. Coming up, we'll hear from a food safety expert. And you know what you'll never want to put in your mouth again? Food. Food. I'm Ophira Eisenberg, and this is Ask Me Another from NPR.
5: Support for this podcast and the following message come from the Walton Family Foundation, where opportunity takes root. More information is available at waltonfamilyfoundation.org.
1: Support for NPR and the following message comes from The Real Real, the leading reseller of authenticated luxury items. Shop luxury clothing, accessories, and fine art at unreal prices from your favorite designers like Louis Vuitton, Gucci, Cartier, and hundreds more. And The Real Real guarantees each item is authentic. Shop in store, on the app, or at therealreal.com, and receive 20% off select items with the promo code REAL. What if video games could help you and your child bond and
3: learn important skills? NPR's Life Kit for Parenting is taking on Screen Time. One of the
1: big things we're working on right now is the concept of resiliency and not quitting when something is hard.
3: Sometimes we lose and lose and lose.
1: And games are great with
3: that. Check out Life Kit's new guide on Screen Time or subscribe to Life Kit All Guides for all of our episodes, all in one place.
0: This is NPR's Ask Another. I'm Jonathan Colton. Now, here's your host, Ophira Eisenberg.
1: Thank you, Jonathan. Before the break, we met our contestants, Darren and Sam. Uh, This is the part where I tease our next game, but since our next game is about Greek and Roman classics, I'll Socrates it. Ah... Darren, you told one of my producers that you're currently obsessed with Aristotle and his work. Yes. (laughs) Okay, tell me more about that. Well, I I
3: love Aristotle because we're both super type A. You know, because Socrates said the unexamined life is not worth living. But Aristotle said the unplanned life is not worth examining. And I really respond to that. That wow. really speaks to me. Right. Yeah.
1: So you're trying to plan your
3: life. Correct.
1: Sam, you also have a side business making natural products, and you make your own reusable wax wrap? I do, and chapstick, and shampoo, and deodorant, and all sorts of things, yeah. Do you um, keep bees? No, but I do have a friend who does, and I get beeswax from her. <laughs> okay, yeah, okay. Didn't really Welcome expect to Washington, that. Welcome yeah, <laughs> Very
2: good.
1: This is a music parody game called Classics. Classics.
0: We rewrote classic rock songs to make them about what colleges refer to as classics. So people who majored in classics, this is your one and only chance to shine. <laughs> Just ring in to identify what I'm singing about, and if you get that right for a bonus point, you can name the original song or the artist who made it famous.
1: Darren, stay in the lead, and you're in the final round. Sam, you need to get more points, or you'll have to translate this show into the dead language of your choice, Latin or cursive. Wonderful. I know it's it's sad. Sad, but true. Here we go. He was a mythic king, it was a
0: tragic thing, fulfilled a prophecy about the sorrow he'd bring, gouged out his eyes when he realized he killed his dad and married his mom, who then dies. Sam. Oedipus? Oedipus is correct. Woo! For a bonus point, Sam, can you name the original song or the artist? I can't. That was uh, Shook Me All Night Long by ACDC. Yeah, it is. Freedom can be found if you accept reality. Reason helps endurance so you won't fuss. Accept your limitations and you'll reach tranquility. Just throw all your emotions beneath the bus. Says philosopher Marcus Aurelius. Uh, It's also a word that you would use to describe somebody who is... Indifferent or? Yeah, Darren. Stoic. You, stoicism is the answer. Ah. That's what we're looking for. Yeah. Right.
3: <laughs> wow. Yeah.
0: And Darren, for a bonus point, can you name the
3: original song or artist? I I'm maxed out with stoicism, so I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> no,
0: I know. Fair That's enough. right. You, you're still overwhelmed by that. situation. Right. That, that was me yeah. and Bobby McGee. Ah. Well, there's a temple. There's a statue. There's a lighthouse. A second statue pyramid's still here today there's some gardens a mausoleum it's too bad you can't see them six of them have gone away darren the seven
3: wonders of the world yeah that's right great correct yes
0: there's a bonus point for you if you can name the song We're the artist.
3: I feel like I can sing some of it, but I can't get there.
0: I can sing a little bit of it, too.
3: Yeah. (laughs) You sounded great.
0: Uh, That was The Joker by Steve Miller Mm
1: -hmm. Band.
0: Here's your next one. Latin words are so passe. With Italian, I did convey. Hell and heaven, purgatory don't sound much like a comedy. (laughs) Sam. Is it Dante's Inferno? Yeah, you got it. Can you name (laughs) the song or the artist?
3: It's
4: about as good as my karaoke gets too. so no, I can't name it. So close, so close.
0: You're going to be kicking yourself, Sam.
4: I have been all night. Okay.
0: (laughs) Purple Haze by Jimi Hendrix. This is your last clue. I put illnesses in categories. I taught the world about the scope of disease. Father of all docs, medicine's building blocks. How could they tell they'd write an oath name it for me? Yeah, me. I guess it's nice they wrote an oath and named it for me. Yeah, me singing. Sam.
2: The Hippocratic
0: Oath. Yeah, that's (laughs) right. Hippocrates.
3: And I know it.
0: Bonus point for the song or artist. I love rock and roll. Yeah, that's right. Joan Joan. (laughs) Jett.
1: Well done, the two of you. That was a hard game, and you did great. Congratulations. And after two games, Darren is moving on to our final round. Before our final round, let's bring back Bob the Drag Queen and Monet Exchange. We're going to be playing a game called Did You Just Eat That?
5: <laughs> okay. <laughs> Okay.
1: <laughs> okay. So Bob Monet, uh, this is Super Bowl weekend. Uh-huh. So for the Super Bowl, friends gather to watch the game. They share a bowl of chips and dip and try not to think about how disgusting that situation really yeah. is. So in honor of this weekend's opportunities to acquire foodborne illnesses, <laughs> we're going to play a game with the help of this guy.
2: My name's Paul Dawson. I'm a professor at Clemson University in the Food Science Department. Oh, work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sounds fun. Paul Dawson co-wrote
1: the book, Did You Just Eat That? Two Scientists Explore Double Dipping, The Five Second Rule, and Other Food Myths in the Lab. Oh, this is informative. Oh, my
5: God. That's right. We're going to
1: learn. We're going to learn. So we're going to ask you about those myths. And if you do well enough, listener Eamon Itani from Beirut, Lebanon, will win an Ask Me Another Rubik's Cube. Bob Monet, let's start with a simple one. The five-second rule suggests that if you drop food and pick it up within five seconds, it won't have been on the floor long enough for bacteria to transfer to it. Is the five-second rule real or is it a myth?
5: Okay, what do you think? I think that it's a myth. Germs are like microscopic girl; they can jump on real fast. Mm.
4: Well, they can, and also it's, it's contact. If it touches the ground, it's gonna have germs on it. Most germs aren't crawling toward. Uh, yeah. Right. They're <laughs> just. Yeah. Most germs aren't like slopping out of the sewage, like, <laughs> like you know. So I am gonna go with that is a myth, team. I agree. Yes. Okay.
2: Let's hear what scientist Paul Dawson has to say. The five second rule was actually a myth. Bacteria are transferred immediately upon contact on a contaminated surface. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nothing's safe.
4: Yes! And yeah. we, we didn't even have to go to school to learn that. That's
1: right. <laughs> Bob and Monet, many of us remember that Seinfeld episode where George Costanza gets yelled at for double dipping.
5: You dipped the chip, you took a bite, and you dipped again. So? That's like putting your whole mouth right in the dip! <laughs>
1: So, the question is Is the guy yelling at George correct or is double dipping really no big
4: deal? First of all, you're not eating it like this, like with your lips all around it. You're not swooshing it around your gums, putting it under your tongue, and dipping it back in. You're just taking a bite and you're dipping it back in. Double you're dipping. clearly a...
5: never had a meal with Trixie. Yeah, never.
4: Not, right. not, not even worse. Double dipping. I'm saying it's a myth. Okay, I'll, I'll
1: agree with her. Paul Dawson actually studied double dipping in the lab.
2: Uh, it is like putting your mouth in the dip. And this is one of my favorites because I, uh, I was surprised because I thought about when you bite a cracker or chip, there's a minimal surface area that's really remaining that you're sticking back in the dip. But surprisingly, there was plenty of bacteria transferred.
4: Okay, first you, of all, you, you don't know what he's talking about. He's <laughs> stupid. <Okay. laughs> You just lost our friend of Rubik's Cube. You better set him one. Okay, first of all, Monet, you agreed, to. I'm not driving by myself. We are co-pilots. <laughs> Speaking of transferring germs, you're trying to transfer the blame. You're trying to double-dip the game. Right. I knew I
5: was right. I then told double you. Double down. It's I, okay. I w- you
1: have one more question. To, this could okay. change everything, okay? Right. Last one. Oh, that was fast. Public restroom hand-drying method. Which one is more sanitary in a public restroom when it comes to hand-drying methods? Paper towels or the electric blow-dry?
4: Oh, electric. Okay, see, Monet, but we can't just (laughs) dive in. This is a trick question. (laughs) This is a trick by the white man. I'm kidding. (laughs)
3: Uh, (laughs) So... But also,
4: bear in mind too, Monet, that the hand dryer is warm and warmth generates germs. Only, it's like incubating. No, but warm is for good germs. No, no, no. <laughs> I know, but warmth makes all germs, not just the good ones. It's not like good witches and bad witches <laughs> are ugly. All germs can grow in warm. Only bad germs are cold. <laughs> So that was I, a wicked joke. You're welcome. Anyway. <laughs> that was very good. That's Wizard of Oz joke. Um, so, um, oh, same thing. So I think that the hand dryer actually makes the bacteria warm and grow more. Because all it's knocking off is water. Or you can just take out the paper towel that is room temperature and it will not get warmer. But here's the thing. When you when you get the paper towel, you have to press that lever that everybody no, else is pushing. Or discussing. you can also do the one that you wave or where it sticks out. Also, you know the worst one where you have to grab with two hands and then you put one hand and it tears. And then you'd be getting all close <laughs> yes. to the edge. So, not for nothing, can we all talk about this, black folks in the room? The automatic hand washer does not work for black people. Oh, my God. Yeah, that is true. Like, if white people wash by, I'd be like, water, sir? <laughs> and black folks be like, please, please. I feel like Quasimodo. Like,
1: sanctuary. Sanctuary. Let, let's find out what scientist Paul Dunson oh my God. has to say.
5: I'm going to pee.
2: Air hand dryers aren't as sanitary as paper towels because these hand dryers have to pull in air from the room. And if you've ever looked on those, as much like under your refrigerator or a kind of vent where you're pulling air in, you're concentrating dust. And of course, bacteria is carried on that dust. Some studies actually found that in some cases, you actually increased the number of bacteria on your hands using a hand dryer, whereas paper towels, you reduced it.
5: So did I win? No! <laughs> Paul, long story short, you UM. win. Yep. <laughs>
1: I think you won it. I you think, think we you did want t- it. Yeah! yeah. They are hugging. Thanks to Paul Dawson, co author of the book Did You Just Eat That? Two scientists explored double dipping, the five second rule, and other food myths in the lab. Thanks again to Bob and Monet. You won an Ask Me of the Rubik's Cube for listener Eamon Itani. Bob and Monet's podcast is called Sibling Rivalry. Give it up for Bob the Drag Queen and Monet Exchange. (laughs) What our next special guest to play for you? Follow Ask Me Another on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. It's time to crown our big winner. Let's bring back our finalist, Mariah Black, who says high schools are doing a lot of productions of Mamma Mia lately. And Darren Biggert, who broke the first rule of podcast club. <laughs> Mariah and Darren, your final round is called Days and Confused. Every answer will end with the word or sound day, and our big winner will receive an Ask Me Another Rubik's Cube signed by Bob the Drag Queen and Monet Exchange. We rolled a 20 sided die backstage, and Darren is going first. Here we go. Darren, in France, July 14th is recognized as this holiday. Castile Day? That is correct. Mariah, Ronald Reagan signed a bill into law recognizing the third Monday in January as this federal holiday. Martin Luther King Day. That is correct. Darren, this jazz singer is known for her renditions of Loverman, Summertime, and Strange Fruit. Billie Holiday. That is correct. Mariah, Denzel Washington declares King Kong don't got bleep on me in this 2001 film. Independence Day? Oh no. <laughs> I take it that was incorrect. <laughs> I'm sorry that is incorrect. We're looking for training day. Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Darren, Lindsay Lohan and Jamie Lee Curtis swap bodies in this teen comedy fantasy remake, Freaky Friday. That is correct. Mariah, this plumbing fixture is used to clean one's lower regions. A bidet. Correct. Darren, Bill Murray starred in this fantasy comedy film set in Paxatawney, Pennsylvania. Groundhog Day. That is correct. Mariah, Andy Carl starred in this fantasy comedy musical set in Paxatawney, Pennsylvania. Groundhog Day. That is correct. <laughs> We're at the halfway point, and Darren is in the lead four to three. Darren, this candy bar is covered in salted peanuts. Three seconds. Salted
2: peanuts.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I can't help you. Sorry. Uh,
3: uh, A hundred grand is the only
1: thing coming to my mind. I don't know. We are looking
3: for payday.
1: Payday. Payday. But that might be my new ringtone.
0: (laughs) Salted Peanuts. Salted Peanuts did it. I don't
1: know why that was so funny, but it was very funny. Mariah, it's the first two names of former Supreme Court Justice O'Connor. Sandra Day. That is correct. Darren, this actress stars in Dr. Horrible's sing-along blog and the revival of Mystery Science Theater 3000.
3: Well, it's certainly not Doris Day, but I'm just going to say Doris Day.
1: I'm sorry, that is incorrect. We're looking for Felicia Day. Sure. Mariah, this actor stars in Horrible Bosses, and It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Charlie Day. That is correct. Darren, this British scientist is known for his studies of electricity, and he has a cage named after him. Three seconds. Mr. Day, Dr. Day. (laughs) (laughs) The answer is Michael Faraday. Sure. The score is five to four. Mariah, if you get this question right, you win. Mariah, this American Civil War general was once credited with the invention of baseball in Cooperstown, though historians doubt this claim.
3: (laughs) Three
2: seconds.
0: Gravity lead day.
1: <laughs> Sorry, that is incorrect. Oh, I know. <laughs> we were. Uh, the answer is Abner Doubleday. Abner. Good old Ab. <laughs> okay, Darren, you need to get this right to stay in the game. Darren, American Idol used this Daniel Potter song in montages following a contestant's elimination. Bad day. That is correct. <laughs> Mariah, if you get this right, you win. Mariah, it's the first track on U2's album, All That You Can't Leave Behind. Beautiful day. That is correct. Congratulations, Mariah. And that's our show. Ask Me Another's house musician is Jonathan Colton. Hey, my name anagrams to vouch, Joel to cannon. Our puzzles were written by Camilla Franklin, Abby Kaz, Senior writers Eric Feinstein and Karen Lurie, with additional material by Mike Albo. Our senior supervising producer is Rachel Neal. Ask Me Others produced by Mike Katseff, Travis Larchuk, Kiara Powell, Nancy Seichow, Edward Wyckoff-Williams, Rimmel Wood, and our intern, Sean Gole, along with Steve Nelson and Anya Grunman. We are recorded by Damon Whittemore, Noriko Okabe, and David Herkin. We'd like to thank our home in Brooklyn, New York, The Bell House. Hot
0: Heel Blues.
1: And our production partner, WNYC. I'm her ripe begonias. Ophira
0: Eisenberg. And
1: this was Ask Me Another from NPR. <laughs> Join us on Thursday, July 11th for a live taping of Ask Me Another at the Bell House as the hosts of the podcast Las Culturistas take over the stage. Comedians Bowen Yang and Matt Rogers. Info at amatickets.org. This is This is NPR. Next time on Ask Me Another, comedian Jim Gaffigan delves into his latest stand-up special, Noble Ape, and explains his transition into dramatic film roles. (laughs)
4: People will ask, they're like, so why this shift into these dramatic roles? I'm like, because now they started to hire
1: me. So join me, Ophira Eisenberg, on NPR's Ask Me Another, the answer to life's funnier questions.